Hey friends, welcome to the Axiom Church Podcast. We're so glad you decided to join us and check out our episode. Um, this is a space where we post our, our Sunday sermons and occasionally we have discussions and conversations regarding life in this community and following Jesus. So thank you for listening and please engage us on our website, axiomchurchaz.com or on any of our social medias. We'd love to hear from you. Take care. May the joy of Christ be with you. Good to see you guys. Happy Advent, happy third week of Advent, and Merry Christmas, by the way, that's like coming up. Anybody excited for Christmas? Yeah, there you go. How many of you got like little ones at home that are excited for Christmas? Oh yeah. How many of you got big ones at home that are excited for Christmas? Yeah, there you go. And, and you're anticipating great and wonderful things, Nesto? Uh, yeah, I'm sure hoping so, Mom. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Uh, my kids, they, they're expecting all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, they, they have great expectation for Christmas. Sports stuff, craft things, I, uh, things. And, and it's not even like huge things, but it gets a little harder as they get older to figure out what is and isn't going to be satisfactory, if that makes sense. My wife is a good example of this. Uh, do you know what she is anticipating for Christmas? It's not toys. It's not toys. She wants <laughs> Botox. She, that's, that's true also. Uh, she, she, she wants a, she, my wife for Christmas morning wants a new laundry room. Yeah. And, and so, well, she is anticipating with great excitement. I am filled with anxiety and fear that I might not deliver. Santa might not show up for Mrs. Linderman this Christmas in that way. <laughs> Now, this is Advent, and Advent works like that. It's a season of, it's a season, I don't know what just happened, but amen. It's, it's a season, yeah. Advent is a season of anticipation. It's a season of, of, of waiting and ex- expectancy. And, and Christmas obviously conjures that, and the gifts and all of that helps us do that. And, and so it makes sense why our tradition is the way that it is, that we build anticipation and excitement. But we also recognize that this is a time of, yes, excitement and anticipation, but it's also a time of difficulty and hardship. Uh, studies show that the Christmas season is one that's rich with depression, anxiety, fear, uh, FOMO, all all sorts of struggles can exist at this uh, time as well. But it's not a time that we are waiting for peace, hope, joy, and love. Those things are already made possible through Jesus. 
We are waiting specifically for the return of Jesus Christ. That's what we as followers of Jesus in the great between space are waiting for is his second coming. So we continue to celebrate his first coming until that time. Now, uh, speaking of Jesus, I'm wondering what you guys think is one of the most, I mean, what would you say is one of the most overlooked characteristics of Jesus? I'm just curious what's coming up for you. Humor, that's a good one, yeah. Vulnerability, uh-huh. Breath, yeah. What else? <clears throat> Patience, that's good. You know, one of the most overlooked characteristics of Jesus is joy. Joy. You know, Jesus is the most joyful person that might have ever lived. But we don't think of Jesus like that. And if you're honest and you like go through the roller decks of like images of Jesus that you've seen growing up and in your life, all the paintings or pictures, and some are like this, and 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 and, and some are like this, and, and some or, or no, this. Uh, but it's usually emo Jesus, serious Jesus, angry Jesus, but joyful. Like how many times have you seen a picture of Jesus where he's just like <laughs> like you're laughing because probably not a lot but I think that would be a great great <coughs> picture for Jesus Jesus was all about joy partying and friendship companionship wine food being together joy is the crown celebration is the crown of the disciplines like like joy was a hallmark for Jesus. Jesus was profoundly joyful, not just serious. Now, I asked my daughter, Blythe, to draw me a picture of Jesus last night, and she did. And I wanted to show you real quick what she drew. <sighs> yeah. Now, the eyes are a little creepy, but... Jesus is smiling. I love that her image of God allows for Jesus to be smiling, that that's part of her paradigm. Now, I want to just invite us for a second, and, and, and you can leave that up if you want to. And good job, Blythe, by the way. Um, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to imagine that Jesus is smiling at you, that he is smiling at you and looking you in the eyes. Now, that might feel a little, little weird or awkward, but, but seriously, Jesus loves you. He enjoys you. Like, like just, just go with me here. Close your eyes. Try to picture Jesus smiling. Go ahead. Take a minute to do that. And feel free to enjoy him enjoying you. Now, when you can see that smile, I want you to just kind of give me a thumbs up so that I know you're ready for the next move, okay? Three people see Jesus smiling. That's great. Thank you. Now, okay, he's still smiling. Now he's sticking his tongue out at you. 
<laughs> Everybody gives up. They're like, I'm done. Okay, now, all right, you can return, you know, to, to, <laughs> to the moment. Is that okay? Can Jesus smile? Can, can he laugh? Can he, can he stick his tongue out at you? Yeah, he sure can. He can do that. My question, though, is knowing what we know about Jesus, how is it that he was able to have such joy? You know, you, you think of Jesus' journey, like, uh, it was kind of a difficult one. And yet, Jesus is hallmarked with joy. I'm just so impressed by that. I want to read from John uh, chapter 16, verse 20 through 22 with you. And before I do that, I'll just describe for a moment that Jesus is in this moment uh, very similar. There's a parallel here to Advent. That's why I've picked this text. Because Jesus' disciples are getting ready to be without him. And Jesus is aware that while he is gone, that they are going to experience grief and pain. But he says, I'm going to, I'll return. Which is what Advent signals as well. Now, he here is talking about his death. He's telling them that he's going to die. But don't worry, you'll see me again. And so this is what it says. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the, while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. Jesus has such a joy and a confidence in joy because his joy, it's, it's not circumstantial. Notice that in the text, that, that there'll be, if you don't mind putting that back up, there'll be uh, grief, there'll be pain, there'll be mourning, there'll be all sorts of things. But despite all of that, there will also be joy. Because Jesus is aware of this future reality. And he says it really clearly, I will see you again. So now keep in mind, Jesus is about to die in this text, and he knows it. He's aware of that, and he knows that it will cause grieving naturally. But he says, listen, despite even that, I will see you again, and you will have joy. And this, this changes everything for Jesus. This foreknowledge... This understanding, 
changes everything. It, it, it moves us and it moves Jesus from a joy that's dependent on circumstances to a joy that's foundational, to a joy that is embedded regardless of what he or we are going through. Now, usually we think that if my circumstances change, then I can be joyful, and, but that, again, is circumstantial joy. Jesus' joy is not an emotional response. It's not a, I, he's opened a gift on Christmas morning and now he's happy. His joy is not affected by if he got what he wanted or not, if he goes to the cross or not. His joy isn't measured by how well the cardinals are doing, thankfully. It's the reality of Jesus' promise and the fruit of God's Spirit that allows him to have this unshakable, foundational joy. And that's why Jesus can say, no one will take away your joy. Because it's more than circumstances. It's a person. He will see you again. So, your, your worst nightmare, your, your, your worst day, your biggest hardship right now, even that thing, the truth that overshadows it from behind is that your joy will not be taken from you, according to Jesus. Jesus refused to live under the tyranny of circumstances. He refused to give power to contemporary. He refused to value what the world rejoices, which is what verse 20 is pointing at. That while it rejoices, you are grieving. Says, it, the, that's all going to go up and down. Guys, wars are going to continue. Sickness is going to continue. Bad things are going to continue to happen. But Jesus refuses to live under the tyranny of the world's ups and downs because he's aware of his own victory. Jesus learns to let go of himself. It's the other beautiful part of this passage that, that's it's not on display, but, it's, but it is right behind the surface is that somehow this joy is found in this letting go. And somehow that's how we find it also. So if you want, like, Jesus is able to go to the cross and die and still talk about the joy of suffering. If, and so if, if we ourselves can be, take a cue from this, we might begin, I'll just, this is just practical, but like seriously, if you want to experience joy in your life, okay, 
something that you could do right now is you could do whatever you have to to let your ego die. Now, Jesus let himself go, physical and all. I'm, say, I'm just trying to give you a starting place. Saint Francis of Assisi talks about this. The, the church fathers talk about this. Jesus talks about this. Let your ego go and see how joy becomes possible. You know that need to care about what people think of you or even maybe we care too much about what we think of ourselves? <laughs> Begin to chip away at that and notice how this thing that is actually already in you begins to emerge. It's not going to compete with that, though. And that's the struggle that so many of us face. We, 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 just, we just can't find joy. and we're, we're walking around sad all the time. And I just would challenge us to try it. Try it out. But it's more than this. It's more than that it's just him that is our joy. It's his kingdom also that is our joy. And, and, and Jesus gives us access to that. And, and, and here's what I think is happening. I think Jesus gave every one of you a key to a sports car. This is not a key to a sports car, though. And most of us here would enjoy driving the sports car, right? But instead of driving it, we're just holding on to the keys. We're walking around holding on to the keys to the kingdom, which is what we're told we're given. And I have a feeling that if we use the keys, that's one thing. It's like, open the door. But then if we would go beyond using the keys and walk through the door, that there's joy there. There's real joy there. But again, we're just kind of having a hard time walking through because of this or because of that. And we're stuck in the, not the kingdom, we're stuck in this other place. And that other place is not what Jesus has given you access to. And this is why the ego must die. It's too concerned with this other thing. It thinks this other thing's too important, too big. But Jesus' gospel says, like, and it's going to come back up. We read it. Uh, next, next slide, sorry. He says, your grief will turn to joy. Just hold that for a second. Jesus' good news about joy, like, what better news is there? Is 
your grief will turn to joy. Somebody has to say amen to that. Like, that's good news. Now, you don't just need to say amen. You guys need to say it with me. Ready? Your grief will turn to joy. Okay, not good enough. This time, you need to say it to the person next to you. Go ahead. Now, is anybody here grieving? Seriously, is anybody here in pain or hurting? Thank you. Yes, me too. Guess what? Your grief will turn to joy. See what Jesus does here? He says, I am going to take away your grief. I'm going to take it away. I'm going to take away your grief. But they, your circumstances, will never take away your joy. That's what he says. And I love that picture. That Jesus says, I have the power to take away the grief that all of this has given you. But this does not have the power to take away the joy that I'm giving you. Unless you let it. They can't take it from you, though. That's good news. And the other hidden truth here is all the things that have brought you grief and sorrow, they too can become sources of joy. Now, that's hard to take in because some of us have experienced the worst horrors. Jesus is counted among that, by the way. Experiencing the worst horror. And yet, that's the very thing that God uses and reconciles transforms the evil of it to make all things new. Our worst nightmares, God can reconcile. We should be the most joyful people on planet Earth. Because there's a lot of nightmares out there. But we serve a God that can take nightmares and turn them into life. New life. So I don't know what's grieving you, but Jesus was very acquainted with sorrow and grief. So he can meet you in that and, and turn your grief into joy. I just would encourage you to invite him to do that hard work in you. To make room for it. Let the, the ego get out of the way. Let the, just surrender all that stuff. Let me pray. Jesus, help us as we turn towards you to receive the promise of joy. 
Help us to be people that are living confidently and securely on your promise that you can not only take, away, take it away, but that you can protect it from being taken from us. Amen.